Hey, Steve. Hey, Chris. So, you know what, man? I, I don't know about you, but every once in a while, you ever get this moment where it's like you're, you're playing games kind of out of habit, and it's like, oh, well, I got some free time. I guess I'll play this game I'm playing. Because it's like you're not, you're enjoying it, but it's not like, uh, you, you could go with it, you could go without it. Like, you ever have that going on? Yeah, yeah, it's like, I bought these games because I like the developer, and I'm sitting in front of a TV, and so I'm playing a game right now. Yeah. Uh, but you're not really like, it's not like, man, this is my favorite thing I've ever done in my life. Yeah, and for a while at the beginning of this year, that was kind of it. Like, I finished Final Fantasy XV, and I was bounced between, like, World of Final Fantasy, playing, um... Gravity Rush 2, and it's like, I like these games. I enjoy them when I sit down and play them, but there's no real desire to go in. And once upon a time, whenever I got into these sort of moods where I wasn't actively trying to play games, I, I, I thought, like, oh, maybe I just, I'm, maybe I'm going out of games. Maybe I'm not as interested in them anymore. And then all of a sudden, like, there's that one game that comes out. And you play it, and it's like you're back to that childhood moment where you're just, you're. It's like you you remember what it's like to fall in love with games again, man. And this year I had like a trifecta. I play. I got Hollow Knight. I started playing Phoenix Wright: Spirit of Justice, and then of course Zelda came out. And like all at once, three games are kind of demanding my attention. And it's like, man, this is what I love. This is kind of what I miss. You got anything like that right now? Yeah. Um, right now, not as much. I, I can't say, but I, I, um, I do kind of, I do kind of get that feeling of uh, sort of uh, this. This analogy really works with video games, especially if you like RPGs. Sort of like chasing the dragon, right? <laughs> Where you uh, you play a game that really you really love like i really love final fantasy 15 and then you just want another game to come along and be as good as that game was and make you feel like that game make you made you felt uh, so i, I do kind of get that i'm, I'm sort of hoping uh, i've been a big fan of the mass effect series so i'm sort of hoping maybe mass effect andromeda will do that to me but we'll see so uh, there's a couple of things you just said that i want to uh take note on firstly isn't chasing the dragon a drug-related term? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and second, so what you're saying is that Horizon Zero Dawn is not as good as Legend of Zelda? <gasps> not that you'd know. You don't have a Wii U or a Switch with which to be playing Zelda. Yeah, I, I, I don't have. A, I don't have a Switch. I mean, Zelda never. I, I, I never caught the Zelda bug. But um, it sounds like a Her Horizon problem. Zero Dawn is great, but what gets me, the things that get me in video games, either you have to have a just incredibly, now this is going to sound funny from the guy who just was heaping praise on Final Fantasy XV, <laughs> an incredibly taut narrative, or <laughs> you need to have, um, you need to have a, a good, uh, what do you call it? Um, Tangible, your hand squeezing something. I, squeezing no, no, not, not uh, yeah, yeah, not, no, the uh, agency. Ah, uh, where you feel like 
the you have some real agency as a as a player in the game. So another actually I said there weren't a lot of recent games. Probably The Witcher 3 would be the really big one that just hit all of these different things that I love about games and and mosh them all together. And I especially love the way the the dialogue trees actually felt like they mattered. And in fact they did matter. The uh the expansion essentially this depending on it's entirely based the ending is entirely based on your choice your choice is made in dialogue trees almost entirely you know do you decide to you can say okay i'm gonna go this way no i'm gonna go that way okay well now you just had two different endings now that became available that 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 diverged because of this choice at this critical juncture and then a, your navigation through the final dialogue tree basically affects, um, you know, does this character kill this other character? Do they reconcile? All these other things, and that's all just in dialogue. So Horizon Zero Dawn has these dialogue trees, and it acts like they matter. But I don't <laughs> think they matter. And I just I don't even <laughs> want to... Like, I, The Witcher, I was talking to everyone and, like, going th- saying everything to them I could... And Horizon Zero Dawn, I'm just like, whatever I need to do to pick up the quest and close this dialogue down, and then I'm moving on. So, you're hoping Mass Effect will do better than Horizon Zero Dawn? Where dialogue doesn't matter? (laughs) Uh, I mean, uh, Mass Effect always... I mean... (laughs) <laughs> okay, yeah, it was it was a little bit binary, typically. It was either like, I'm going to punch you in the face, or I'm going to give you a hug. Um, but, <laughs> Renegade. It's not even just that. It's like, by Mass Effect 2, it's like, oh, your choices will carry over. Oh, you get to rem- you get to carry over what your shepherd looks like, and this news reporter, you get to punch him in the face. Well, but then like, also, <laughs> making having made really good decisions in the first two Mass Effect games meant that... I had a really easy time acquiring the number of whatever points there were that you needed to get in order to do the final battle against the Reapers. All right, point taken. We don't want to do anyway. We don't need to get too far too far into that. But so that's that's something that that gets me really jazzed up. But that means one of the things that determines then being really into a game, like loving a game, in a sense is the the options available to you like dialogue options kind of a thing narrative options i should say yeah and of course and this like, gives you some player agency yeah and this actually goes way back to me um to when i played wing commander 3 um mm. and that was one of the big sort of formative games for me i think where my i'd played a lot of platformers and a lot of shareware games on the pc um you know i I had a really small number of games I actually purchased. <laughs> um, like I never had the, the Wolfenstein 3D. I never had the whole game. I always just had the shareware version, which was like one episode, and so many other games I can I can list like that. Um, but when I when I bought Wing Commander four, actually I played four before I played three. It was like oh, there's like choices, and again the ending in that game. You ever played Wing Commander four? I've never played any Wing Commander. Ah oh, man. Good, good stuff. But anyway, so the ending of that game, it's another one of these things where you're, 
you're working through dialogue trees and you make the wrong decision and you like end up the the you get like court-martialed and dragged out and and sent to jail and that's the end of the game or you know if you choose the right dialogue options you get to have justice served and the guy who was really the traitor gets arrested and dragged off see this this actually does make me one well brings me back to one of my thoughts of when we fall in love with a game is it because it reinvigorates something of what caused us to fall in love with games to begin with and this is funny for me because as you said like one of the games that i first brought up was hollow knight but i feel like the first game that i really truly loved the medium for or maybe it's one of the ones that like made the most impact on me looking back was Final Fantasy 2. Well, 4. 4. But released as 2 in the US. That's the game that makes me feel like, okay, this is the game that put me on the path of like wanting to discuss games, wanting to write about games, wanting to do something in my life about games. And yet, Hollow Knight's not like that. Hollow Knight is a little bit of other games that I loved growing up. It's a little bit of Super Metroid. It's a little bit of Donkey... Uh, not Donkey Kong Country so much, but like Mega Man, Mega Man X. Mm. It's got like a bunch of side-scroller action kind of games. And I loved those too. So, what, no matter what actually made me fall in love with games or whatever, it's that these games that I grew up playing and really loved... Hollow Knight speaks to that. Hollow Knight kind of brings that back without necessarily being nostalgic. Hmm. And maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's these core, maybe these like these root ideas, these root philosophies. Because Hollow Knight does not have retro 8-bit or 16-bit graphics. It's all hand-drawn on, on hand-drawn animation and gorgeous. It has these different elements of gameplay, but it's not really... Because you're using a sword and everything and you're using different kinds of skills... It's not like Super Metroid or Mega Man X, which focus on gunplay or anything. So, so maybe more like Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Except I never really played any of the Castlevania games. Yeah. So that's one of the big differences. And I won't be surprised. Like The closest comparison might be Zelda 2. But it's really not like Zelda 2. But it's still... It's that philosophy. It's that skill... Ba- like when I'm playing it, I feel like I'm mastering a skill... Like when I played Mega Man X and I was learning the secrets of these robot masters and trying to get through their levels and everything like that. It feels more like that. And so what I'm wondering is, instead of being like, oh, maybe I'm like falling out of love. Because this happens like on Gamers with Jobs, they get these kind of emails all the time. People wonder, and I remember even in college, there are people that were like, yeah, I don't know, man. I just don't think I'm as big into gaming anymore. And through the past... Honestly, ever since the year 2000, gaming has been in a quite a big flux of trying to figure out where it is. A lot of developers became sort of mid-range developers trying to bite off more than they could chew. And so there's a lot of mediocre games on the original Xbox, PS2, GameCube, and then the... And it's not like that, that was anything new. Original PlayStation has a lot of, you know, real pieces of crap. But the... The cost of making those mediocre games for the return that was, you know, mediocre sales was slowly the it was slowly changing. dwindling. Yeah. yeah, the the margins got 
got a lot worse. And I feel like bigger developers, bigger studios, were more easily able to put out a polished uh, product. And then, like, companies like Capcom, all of a sudden, like, these huge companies that are known for their polished titles are releasing clunky pieces of crap, like Dark Void or Bionic Commando 3D. Well, like, the big... The, yeah, I like Dark AAA Void. That's uh, an underrated game. It could have been so much better. <laughs> but, I mean, that's, anyway. that's what I mean. Like, it's, it, it's underrated... You say it's underrated, but can you deny that it couldn't couldn't have been better? It could have been better. There you go. No, I mean, so I'm I'm just wondering, like, is this something that happens periodically, or is it more like formula? Just every once in a while, you have a game that sort of formulates your impression of this medium, this genre. Like one of the things you and I were discuss uh, made note of earlier is Halo is a big definitive game for me. Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, Halo. I at the time, I hated Microsoft. I hated <laughs> Microsoft, and I didn't want Halo to be good. Did you ever and have even an when Xbox? it was good? I, I didn't want to admit that it was good. I had it. So I, I, my, my Halo experience was a guy down the hall from me at college got an Xbox day and date with Halo, um, <laughs> and we all played. Initially, we played through the campaign co-op, and then we spent on easy, and it was so hard because even though we were all shooter veterans from Unreal and Quake and all that stuff, the controller was totally killed us. And then, you know, by the end of the year, we were finishing it on Legendary, of course. Yep. And then we got into the multiplayer, and we'd we'd network up with the guy the the guy downstairs who had the Xbox. <laughs> and we play four four versus four multiplayer and stuff like that. Um, so Halo was for me one. It was, I think it was the first console experience of ways in which a console is superior to a PC. Because uh, you gotta remember, I was a PC guy. Yeah. Uh, Wait, you mean you weren't a Mac guy? No, I was I was a PC gamer. I was not a. I, but you hated Microsoft. See, I'm, I'm, this is what I'm trying to wrap my head around. Well, this, oh, is, okay, this, yeah. is off, this is a tangent. This is off topic. But you, you don't have a single Microsoft device in your house right now, don't you? I have an. I have an Xbox 360 still. Oh, okay. Um, but that's it. So you got one. That's it. But no, no Microsoft <laughs> PCs or anything else. Um, I had Windows exclusively for gaming. I actually ran Linux as my primary operating system. <laughs> I would dual boot into Windows 98. And I had a totally stripped down Windows 98, which was exclusively for playing games. Um, <laughs> and games that would run in Linux, I would run in Linux. So. That's pretty funny. And anyway. <laughs> so yeah, so I had so many reasons I really wanted to hate it. But then I think about, like, man, like, there was nothing like that. Where, one, the, the experience of, of playing together, sitting on a couch next to somebody, and, or a bed, a really uncomfortable bed with your head up against a cinder block wall uh, <laughs> <laughs> playing playing halo co-op uh, was just something i i just hadn't really done before um you know i played team games i i played you know land parties and things like that but it wasn't it wasn't the same there was something totally different about that 
so you never got the GoldenEye experience that a lot of other people did. Well, you know, okay, I did play GoldenEye, but GoldenEye was dumb and GoldenEye was bad. And anybody who thinks otherwise is is wrong. The controls For in that game. All the things that I that you and I should not be friends over. This is one of those unifying things. I this play, is I one play, of the unifying things that keeps us friends because I, that game is so overrated. So so overrated. Um, especially again, remember I was a PC guy, so I'd go over to my friend's house and they'd think, "Oh, GoldenEye is awesome." I'm like, "Have you guys played Quake? Have you guys played Unreal <laughs> Tournament? Do we really need to play GoldenEye?" Like, let's whip out, I'll, I'll, I'll install, I got my discs right here. I'll install Unreal Tournament, we'll set up a LAN, we'll play some Unreal Tournament right now. You know how much better this is than GoldenEye? But here's the funny thing, because this is where Halo solidified for you what console gaming can be in terms of multiplayer. Because otherwise, for a PC, it was all about LAN parties, which is, I mean, there is something I loved about doing LAN parties in college as well, but it's also a room full of people all staring at their own monitors. It's not as unified. You'd hear someone from across the room, you know, maybe cursing that you killed them again, or usually it was me doing the cursing because I was <laughs> terrible. But otherwise, it's everyone's still sort of isolated in their own little monitor versus couch co-op being everyone's kind of united around this one machine. We're all still looking at the same or TV even, screens, but it's... Even couch competitive. Yeah, couch co-op, yeah. couch competitive, couch multiplayer. Yeah. And for me, Halo was that was when my brother was recently back from college. He graduated. He was looking for work and everything. Um my sister was uh, about to be off to college. In fact, I think she was off to college at that point. It was me and my brother sharing sharing a room again and we got the original Xbox, we got Halo, and for two nights we stayed up until like 4 a.m. playing that campaign. Because it was like, it was like playing Contra again. Because back on the NES, like that was how what games were to me growing up was me and my brother playing a game, it was playing Contra together, it was playing Ninja Turtles together. It was co-op experiences with my brother, and Halo brought that back. So... It's funny that for me, one of the things that made Halo a definitive game in my life that I loved the... And I played that game so much in high school, man. Uh, which, how old are you again that you were playing in college? It was my freshman year. You're two years older was, than me, you jerk. No, I'm, I'm, I was young. I was on the young side for us. I'm 33. You're still... Yeah, you're two years older than me, I'm you two jerk. years older than me, yes. I was playing Halo <laughs> in college, yeah. But no, uh, completely, completely off topic again. Cut that in post. No, no, people will learn more about <laughs> us. People learn more about us. I'm 31. Um, no, the the experience of playing that in high school with my brother, when we haven't been, firstly, he's been off in college, so we haven't played much in the way of games with each other. And then after the Super Nintendo, like, Co-op games kind of vanished. We were into RPGs. We played competitive fighting games. Didn't really play anything co-op together. And then playing Halo again and all the experiences that came with it. And that's the thing. Even when it comes to Ninja Turtles or Contra, they lacked some of the shared experience that the narrative provided in Halo of, like, when the Flood appeared for the first time. We got to share that experience. Yeah, that was something else that Halo... That gets maybe not as 
Like, I'm trying to think of a, a shooter. And at the time, I was like, well, Half-Life had a better story than Halo. Oh, well, a lot be, of PC let's, gamers. Let's, let's be serious here. Let's be serious here. <laughs> Half-Life may have, in some ways, had a better story, but Halo had better presentation and a better storytelling um, for the most part. Well, that's still going to be debatable, and, but that's a whole in terms of In terms of, yeah. I mean, there was definitely, Half-Life had its moments. But in terms of, like, a cinematic storytelling experience in a game, like, Halo was, and you sat there with your friend, and maybe it was the guy you didn't even like that much from down the hall, but you just happened to be the <laughs> only two guys who weren't in class right then, but now you're best friends, because, like, that elite was about to get you, and he stuck it with a plasma grenade, boom! Anyway. <laughs> but, no, that, this, this got me thinking about, you know what was the, the next game that did that for me? And this wasn't even anywhere on my list when we were talking about about games that uh, that really spoke to us. Gears of War. Yes. Gears of War, man. I had friends that I never really played anything online with, but we played Gears of War online, and it was it was a good time, man. Because it, it, it had a similar sort of style to it, but it was also its own new gameplay that felt fresh at the time period. Yeah, I actually started thinking about Gears of War when you mentioned Dark Void, because I, I, I wanted... Oh no! You know I'm thinking of Dark Sector, not Dark Void. Dark Sector has the boomerang thing. Yeah, Dark Sector was the boomerang. The cover, it was like the, which also could have been better, but also could have. Been, sorry, so Dark Void may have actually not been good. I was thinking Dark Sector. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you mentioned Dark Void, it made me think of Dark Sector, which made me think of Gears of War, um, and how much I wanted Dark Sector to be Gears of War. Um, but anyway, the. Um, but that's that was another great uh, and so that was that was something for me. So I go back. You mentioned Contra. So for me, it was Double Dragon, hmm. and uh, I, I I had a Double Dragon two cartridge for my NES, and it it didn't really work. It had a little jingle <laughs> inside, like you shook it, and it but it would play like a few levels, and then it would crash. The guy who lived across the street from me. Um, he was only like a year older than me. He had a Double Dragon 2 cart that worked. And so he would come over and he'd bring his Double Dragon 2 cartridge and we'd play. And I remember beating Double Dragon 2 for the first time, which I thought was impossible. I did not think that people actually beat Double Dragon 2. Actually, he beat it. I died and he beat the last boss. But <laughs> anyway, I beat Double Dragon 2. Um, and then that, I could see that maybe being something else that just these, these co-op. Uh, these co-op console games and the the experience of that, which is somehow a little bit richer than than being separated by miles and talking over a headset. And you know what? Actually, that's funny because Left 4 Dead is actually another iconic game for me. And when we're talking multiplayer too, because Left 4 Dead, especially after I graduated college and I was looking for work. Me and a bunch of my friend, uh, friends of mine, and most of them were people. Actually, I don't think I met any of them in real life. They're all friends of mine from a website. We would just regularly meet up and play Left for Dead, no matter how many times we beat those campaigns, because we never played the verses. We we didn't like the competitive multiplayer at all. We only played the co-op, and 
we played those damn campaigns over and over again and you'd think we would have gotten sick of it but between left for, left for dead one or two i mean we just kept jumping back and forth and in terms of the couch play though at the very end of college came castle crashers where i never played that oh you never played it oh it was another good one that 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 was one of those games too that was great for just oh you were going to have people over just turn apart just turn the game on and next thing you know like people are just stopping and watching because it's so humorously animated (laughs) and even if they don't want to play it themselves it's done in such a manner that people just loved watching it so we we'd we'd have like an entire party going on where people are drinking and flirting and other crap like that all over dancing or whatever and then you have these people gathered around the tv as like four freaking nerds play castle crashers (laughs) and it's it was just a great experience like these these are all i guess maybe i should retitle this episode it's not about uh things that make you fall in love with games again it's just moments that make you fall in love with games in general or that like just seminal moments in gaming Mm. for you because in some ways for the multiplayer that is a big thing and you're right final fantasy 15 for me was a big thing too like it it was a game that i was drawn to and i played a lot of and just absolutely loved how about you yeah but i mean i have to think like how much of that was you know because because that's one of those you know um go back to the drugs analogy um that's one of those highs that i'm i'm chasing i'm chasing the final fantasy 7 high and you know uh, i mean and I, every every few years square or square enix now you know gives me gets me a fix well remember uh, and you, then 13 13 left me really see, sour um uh, oh 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 don't even try don't even try because i remember i was over at your house the one time you were still living in the, uh, the older house and you were trying to get me interested in Final Fantasy Thirteen Two or something. Like you were like, "Come on, man, look at the just just watch a little bit." And I'm like, uh, "Numbers and flashes. I have no idea what's on screen." And you were like, "No, man, seriously, it makes sense just once you play it." And like, <laughs> no, 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 don't, don't get me wrong. I, I, I ended up I ended up really loving the combat system in Final Fantasy Thirteen, um, but it wasn't didn't get me that that fix in the same way uh but here's the thing did you play final fantasy 12 yes see also also not the same fix after 10 i stopped playing final fantasy games for a while so for 15 aesthetically there is a bit of that fix but final fantasy 15 it's a different beast for me now it is completely separated in a lot of ways, from the Final Fantasy that I grew up with. Right. Right, because you had it in place. You played 10, you didn't play 12, you didn't play 13. But so, that means you were really hurting for that that Final Fantasy fix, though. Because, uh, I mean, like, I got a little bit from 12, but 12 wasn't really the good stuff. It, see, it had, I'm, I'm looking forward to 12 because of uh, the, the, oh, what's his name, like, Masamune, Masamune is his last name. The dude from like Final Fantasy Tactics, man, and Vagrant Story. Yeah, like that's no, why I'm. But here's the thing: Twelve it. is a good. Twelve was a great game, but it was not a great. It didn't have the Final Fantasy things that you need to get from Final Fantasy games. 
it was all like you know geopolitical stuff and and one of my favorite games is final fantasy tactics that's the dragon i'm chasing <laughs> yeah. is final fantasy tactics because see tactics i'm chasing advanced? no get that crap out of here i'm i'm <laughs> i'm chasing the like giant sword emo spiky <laughs> hair dragon <laughs> that's the one Before. like i thought i totally related to squall in high school man. oh god you were one of those <laughs> My friends were like that. Why am I the only person that thought Squall was the biggest but, dick? But I, I th- honestly, I thought Renoa was. I, I, I thought she was really annoying. I was okay, shipping. Okay, there's that at least. I was shipping Squall and Keistus actually. Well, that I mean, Keistus is the best character. Yeah, she was the best character in the game. Um, no, so uh, anyway, but no, I mean, I, I get what you mean though. It's like it's like with. With everyone wanting Mighty Number no. Nine to like, why do people back Mighty Number no. Nine? Because they want a new Mega Man. I thought the T-shirt was going to be cool. The, of Mighty Number no. Nine. Yeah, I, I back anything if they'll give me a T-shirt, <laughs> man. I'm, I'm, There's a picture in the brain episode like that. It's another addiction issue I have. It's T-shirts. But Mighty Number no. Nine, people wanted a new Mega Man, and like right now, people want a new Super Metroid. They want a new Metroid Prime. Like, anything that's not one of those, they're going to gnash their teeth and beat their chests about. Like, I guarantee you, if Nintendo announces a new Metroid and is not either in the style of Super or in the style of Prime, people are going to be pissed. Well, that's this whole... This whole... A lot of this... I don't play a lot of indie games. I play, like, whatever... When PS Plus gives, gives me a free indie game, I'm like, ooh, cool, I'll play it for a little bit. Um, but I do feel like that's a big trend, right? Is is these Metroidvania types and other similar types that they're they're recalling one of these games that um, Konami is not going to make. I, I mean, they had, they did for the, the the Game Boy Advance and stuff, but they're not really making now another not. Castlevania that in the style of Symphony of the Night. So instead, now you have Bloodstained, right? Which so is a get, Kickstarter game, right? So you get these other guys, and they're right, and or Mighty Number no. Nine with Mega Man because Capcom is not making another Mega Man X or something in that style. So you need somebody else to come in and like cash in on your nostalgia dollars. Yeah. So that is actually one of the things that the indie scene, I think, and that's again like Hollow Knight, and that's where for me I kind of like where indies can go because there's a lot of indies where it's like oh yeah we're gonna do a metroidvania roguelike and it's like i'm so sick of roguelikes i'm so sick of games that are schmups twin stick shooters i mean every week for games with jobs like if there's ever a blank week where there's nothing triple a coming out that i know i want to get i gotta look through all the indie games and that is the quickest way to realize that indie games are shovelware it is basically like you're looking at a release list of people's portfolios so they can get development jobs at bigger studios because holy cow, they're, like so many of them blend together. Like, you, you, people want to talk about the AAA industry lacking imagination. Dude, I'm sorry. For every one good indie game, there's 50 to 100 that are just <laughs> carbon copy. 
and, and I know that probably sounds terrible because a lot of these people are, I mean, a lot of people really put a lot of effort into these games. They, they, they did it honestly. They were trying to make something that they thought was good. It's just when you're, dude, you don't stand out, man. I'm sorry. And yeah, that's I mean, where... a, lot, a lot of these games, like I've played, I've played a handful of games that were, they were serviceable for what they were. Like it was a good game. It was the controls work. They felt okay. But it's just right, like you said. It's it doesn't. A lot of these games they don't stand out. Um, it's a good example of a whatever whatever you wanted to play. It's a good example of that, but it's not. <laughs> it's not anything that's. It's not. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. But but I think that it does fall into this. Um, everybody's kind of chasing somebody something different, and I'm sure there's some guy out there who plays every. Metroidvania game that he can get his hands on. Um, <laughs> and so he's on Steam right now. And, you know, anything he's that's He's got like, that category pulled down. <laughs> yeah. He's already played the the, the Luchador game. Uh, what, what is it called? Get on the G or something. Gua- Guacamelee. Guacamelee! He's already played Guacamelee. He's already played Axiom Verge. He's already played all the big ones, you know. And now he's, he's looking for it. his next fix. It's sort of like it's sort of like with music too, right? Like the metalhead or something like that. I don't know any metalheads. Um, oh yeah, yeah. We don't know any. <laughs> we don't know any metalheads. Um, <laughs> where you know you're like, oh man, I love power metal. And you're like, I need some more power metal. <laughs> well, no, no. See, the problem. I mean, as, as someone... it's, the same, it's the same thing, right? Because there are there are great bands making great music. Period. That is power metal or whatever genre you want. And then there are bands that make totally serviceable power metal. And it, it hits all the power metal stuff. But it's just like... No, uh, I mean, yeah, I get what you mean. Because there's this technically even started with... Think about a Shadow Complex. Shadow Complex, there's your first real big indie me- Metroidvania. Mm. Well, indie, in that it's published by Epic. But... <laughs> No, I mean that's that like that's the thing. Like people played Shadow Complex, and it's like holy crap, this is the Super Metroid sequel I've wanted in years, like for years now. But I mean, I think there is part of that to it. There are some games that I really would love. As I said, like Final Fantasy Tactics, I'm still waiting for a tactical RPG of that vein that really grabs and hooks me narratively su- and mechanically. Didn't you support that Kickstarter? Oh, I did. That imploded. What was that called? It didn't implode. It's still technically going. It's just, it's taking forever. Unsung story, I believe. Unsung story. Yeah, it, it kind of non-imploded. It's taking. It's taking forever. They keep on saying, "Oh yeah, we're gonna get back to updating you guys more." They got funds, but that's the thing. Like, yeah, I'm waiting for that to come out. Um, waiting for. I mean, but see, there's there's a perfect example. So that was there was it tickled your fancy. Um, and you were like, ooh, I gotta get me some of this. There's like Final Fantasy Tactics people involved. <laughs> like, I'm gonna throw some money at this Kickstarter and I'm gonna get myself some some good Final Fantasy Tactics. And now years later, it's like, oh yeah, that was... Like, every once in a while I get an email and it's like, oh yeah, I backed that game. <laughs> so, that I guess that's just that's that's just the doom and gloom of it. But, otherwise... But back, to, I mean, back to games we love. Um, there, there, there's a whole. I, I got to see if I can remember because again, like for me, it's kind of a phase. Like every time I know there, there's games that I'm not really into at the moment. There's something that comes along, and sometimes there's surprises. 
sometimes it's just something I didn't see. Like again, like Hollow Knight, I found out that out about a about a week before it released. Played it, and it's like, holy crap, this game's good. Nice. Um. So right, here's here's my question. So what's your what's what's like your first love? Like, what was the first video game that that you would? I mean, that's that's really tough because firstly, you're asking me to go back to when I was a kid, and like the first game I played was Donkey Kong on the ColecoVision when I was three, and that's barely something I remember. Like, I barely remember the smell of the electronics. Right. So, so. I'm talking about like, yeah, what's like the first one that really that really stands out? Because I could name like a bunch of games I played. So I'll go first. How about this? So for me. The one that really sticks out in my head is Super Mario 2. And mm. that's because... So I was I was the youngest. I had three older sisters. Um, and they all played the Nintendo, you know, fairly, fairly regularly uh, at the time. So I was the last one to beat Super Mario 1. <laughs> we... We, we, we got... We didn't get the Nintendo until Mario 3 was already out. I was the last one to beat Super Mario 3. I was the only one who beat Super Mario 2. So for me, that kind of like... Uh, that, that stood out to me. and I kind of hung on to that one. And it became my favorite just because it was sort of like my game. Like, you can all beat Mario 1 and you can all beat Mario 3. But ain't nobody else gonna beat Mario 2. Because that's my game. I feel like I'd have to ask my siblings, but like the, the one... like. It really is. Final Fantasy 2 is the first game I really remember waking up in the mornings and just that's what I wanted to do before anyone else was awake and being like I actively remember being distracted during the school day wanting to go home and just wanting to play more. Like I, mean, I always loved video games. I always drew the characters. I drew the characters from the instruction booklets. But I feel like Final Fantasy 2 was really the first game and then that was that kind of kickstarted because like a lot of games i never thought i could really beat on my own but at the same time like i i know i continue to ask my brother to play games with me and stuff but there were games there was watching the ninja turtles and transformers cartoons there was drawing i had a variety of things that i really loved as a little kid and i feel like video games were just a part of that Hmm. until final fantasy 2 came along but my siblings might remember differently. I know for a while my brother kind of joked and called me Nintendo and I thought he was making fun of me. Um, <laughs> so I don't know what age I was at the time, though, when he did that. So I don't know. It's just, At some point I really fell in love with video games and then, like, it just started to build, I guess, as I got older. Like, before Halo, I, I found myself playing the original Legend of Zelda on my mom and dad's really crappy, small, black and white CRT television. And I don't remember why I had it hooked up to that. Like the (laughs) NES was hooked up to that. It was in their bedroom. I would play in the summers in their bedroom. I would have, I would either be sitting on the floor or standing up because the uh, TV was positioned completely horribly askew from the bed. And I played the original Legend of Zelda and beat it in black and white. And why I did this as a middle school kid, I don't know. 
I, I had Link to the Past. I had already beaten that one. I don't know why I played the original. And then I had similar situations when I finally owned... Actually, no, I never beat Link to the Past until after that. Because I didn't own it until after that. By the end of the Super Nintendo's life cycle, I ended up own, uh, purchasing for sale A Link to the Past and Super Metroid. And that's when I finally owned them. And was addicted to them kind of a deal. So... I don't know, like, I, I think towards middle school is where I really started to more, for, maybe that's just what I remember more, I don't know. So. I get that, I get that. I think that, yeah, I uh, I mean, for me, it was more, like I said, I played a lot of, I played, I had Nintendo, um, played the Marios and Double Dragon and Contra, um, and you know whatever random games the video store was selling because I picked up the Nintendo toward the end of the life cycle so I think I got a lot of games on the cheap like used games and stuff like that um, because I, you know, I didn't realize it at the time and now looking back I'm like oh yeah it makes sense that the you know the video rental place was selling off all their Nintendo games because Super Nintendo was already out and <laughs> anyway um, and I played I played a lot of PC shareware game. Which when I was thinking about how I'm looking forward to to Mass Effect Andromeda, I wonder if if the Wing Commander being another really big game for me, uh, if how much those those really big sci-fi epics uh, kind of speak to me, where Wing Commander was sort of I don't remember. I can't really. Wing Commander was a to- essentially a totally unique thing in that one, it was an FMV game that wasn't terrible, um, mostly because the you know the the flying was good and the the actors they got were good. Uh, I mean, Malcolm McDowell, John <laughs> Rhys Davies, Mark Hamill, like these were not like these. these this wasn't like I mean. Okay, let's be honest. A lot of them are technically B movie actors. If they're B movie actors, but, but they're, they're B movie great actors at hamming it up. That were no, but, but not just hamming it up. <laughs> they were B movie actors who were all also in great movies. True, true. So like they were, they were kind of like anyway. So that they really, so that kind of got me hooked on. It was like playing. It really was, in a way, like like playing and having agency in something like Star Wars. Even though the setup was totally different in Star Wars, it was more Star Trek than Star Wars. But Star Trek with fighters. And anyway, uh. so what I'm hearing is, in the future, we should have an episode about the Wing Commander movie. Oh, <laughs> oh please don't bring that up. Please don't. Please don't bring that up. <laughs> Uh, with what was it, Freddie Prince? Freddie Jr.? Prince Jr. <laughs> Didn't he have bleached tips? He had bleached hair, bleached tit, frosted tips. No, no, no. That was the other. Who was the other guy? Uh, uh, the no, other no. like, like teen heartthrob actor of the time. I have no idea. It was one of those guys. It was the, the you know, well, Freddie Prince got... Jr. was the main character, and then uh, was Maverick, and then uh, I can't think of his name. He was was Maniac, and he's the one with the bleached hair. He had the bleached hair in the movie. Uh, of all the of all the uh, '90s video game movies, I went out of my way to see as a kid. I did not see that one. Uh, you are have lived a better life. <laughs> are you sure? Um, there's I, a lot I that I have sure. seen. 
but uh, I, I did, think... Well, you've at least lived a better life for having missed that one. <laughs> but I think that should actually do for... I mean, basically, it was more like a trip down memory lane. Yeah. But you know what? Still, you know, why do you love video games? How about that? Um, we're falling in love with video games, so... There's our topic for tonight, and uh, I think I'm going to go fall in love with more Breath of the Wild. How about you? Uh, I think I'm going to go to sleep. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, have a good night. Yeah, have a good night, man.